Well, you can find your seats, and as you do, let's open our Bibles. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you can uh, follow along with us on the Bible app there. Uh, We're on the events. You can kind of follow along with the scripture or take your notes there, or you'll notice that our ushers are coming around. You just slip your hand in the air, and uh, they would love to give you a a copy of God's Word. We want to have that in front of us. We are in Luke chapter 1. And we're kind of looking at the Christmas story from the perspective of Mary. Why, why, do we, why do we love the Christmas story? You guys love going over this? Last night, uh, a few of us got to go to a um, kind of a live nativity, a walk through Bethlehem. And uh, we got to see like, uh, they had like real animals, like, like donkeys and goats. And there were like ducks there. I don't really know what that was all about. But uh, they also had a, a Mary and a Joseph with an actual baby out in the snow. There's like no way I would have signed up for that, but it was really kind of cool for us to uh, just be able to see it and experience it and just be reminded that this really happened. The nativity scene is kind of rustic and yet majestic. It's pretty crude and yet it's, it's beautiful. It's uh, surprising, yet it's nostalgic and I think it's accessible, the story we relate to, and yet it's foreign. It's simple, obviously, but yet it's incredibly profound. And because of that, I think I know it's familiar, but it's also mysterious. And I don't want us to lose that aspect of it. Uh, Maybe uh, you're like our house, and, and Christmas morning you'll... Uh, wake up and you'll sing happy birthday to Jesus. Uh, It's much more than just a glorified birthday party that somehow took on international holiday status. There's something kind of crazy about it. It's not just a simple story uh, about the humble beginnings of a human teacher that Christians claim to to follow, kind of like you would hear the story of how, uh, uh, like the the Buddha or Muhammad got their start. No, no, like, like we believe that from the beginning there's something different about this Jesus that, that, that yes, he's a, he's a human baby and yet he's, he's like no other. And, and so I know that like, like we, we often celebrate it and we, we're, we're used to it because we celebrate it every year and yet sometimes maybe we miss the profundity of its significance and the wonder and I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose the mystery either. That in that moment, that baby was the miracle of the incarnation where God became man. John 1 tells us that the word became flesh. And I just ask, how do you explain that? Do you know what that means? Does does it make sense to you? Because the more we like ponder it and think about it, it, it really seems impossible As uh, C.S. Lewis said it this way, if the thing happened, it was the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing that the whole whole story has been about. So what I want to do this morning as we dive back into Luke chapter 1, I hope that you'll let God's word convince you again, and I hope that you are impressed with the power of Christ and what he's doing here in this story. Luke chapter 1, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Here we are in verse 34. 
If you're there with me, follow along. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. If I could just give you a big idea of this text, it'd be this. Blessing comes from believing in the God who does what he says. Blessing comes when we believe in this God who does what he says. Father, I'm asking that you would uh, open up your word and speak to us this morning. We don't need a message from a man. We need a message from you. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us that you are the God who does what you say. And I pray that we would be drawn to trust you in that and that we would submit our lives to you. God, may you make us more like yourself as we hear from you, and we will be careful to give you the praise and glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So if blessing comes from believing in the God who does what he says, then I think this morning we kind of have two powerful assurances from the story of Mary and the virgin birth. If you're taking notes, just note this, okay? Uh, God does what he says. God does what he says. In fact, that's going to be really important for Mary uh, to know and to be assured of. We're picking up in mid-conversation. Last week we saw that, that uh, the angel Gabriel kind of showed up out of nowhere, and, and he's making a special announcement to Mary. And, and, and what he came to say, this message from the Lord, verse 31, he said, Behold, you will uh, conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son. Now, he said a whole lot of other things about Jesus, but I'm pretty sure that's the part that stuck out to her. In fact, like, I, that's about as far as she got uh, before she felt like she needed to kind of raise her hand and ask a question, like, wait, 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 like, how is that going to happen since I'm a, I'm a virgin? So remember, uh, we, we saw that last week she was engaged, which meant the, the thing that was on her mind was wedding day. That's what she's thinking about. Now, ladies, what's, what's she thinking about? She's thinking about a baby. That's all that she's, like, that's, that's the part that stood out to her, right? You ever notice that, that women kind of have a, a sixth sense about baby talk? Uh, no matter how subtle it is. You ever notice this? Like this, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon that I've observed, and I don't even get it, how, how two women can be talking to, together, and all one of them has to say is, well, and the other is like, oh, you're pregnant? Like, how does that even, po-? like, I don't get that that doesn't logically follow that statement. I don't, I don't really get it, and yet I think some of it is because women are always kind of suspicious of that and, and looking for that. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so... Married ladies, I just want to apologize to you. 
um, you just have to know that if we ever hear that one of you is home sick because you're not feeling well, just rest assured that there's at least one woman who's back at the church kind of like, I wonder, I wonder, does that mean she's pregnant? Like, it's happening. Like, for sure that's happening. Guys, we kind of need it direct, right? This tells me plain and simple. Uh, that's why, like, we, we could see a woman that's like eight months along and we're like, wait, what? She's pregnant? Like, how did, how did, how did I miss that? Like, like and, 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 and I know that part of that is because we're really slow, but I do think that there's some wisdom in that. Like, I would never assume. It's just like, wise not to assume. I'm not gonna say anything. In fact, the woman could be on the delivery table. She's in labor. I'm still gonna check with my wife before I would ever say anything. There's just wisdom in that, okay? We need it kind of direct. The angel is being really direct and straight up. Obviously, words like you're going to conceive and you're going to bear a son stand out to her. But the reason that it's so shocking is because she's not married. And so her, her, her question is kind of obvious. She's like, how's that going to work? Now, it's important for us to note that, that when she asks the question how, she's not doubting God. And the reason we know that is because it's kind of in contrast to Zechariah. See, see it, Gabriel, had, the angel, had already showed up once before in Luke chapter 1, and he told Zechariah, hey, I know that you and Elizabeth are kind of old and you're past that age, but guess what? You're going to have a baby. And, and Zechariah asked the same thing, verse 18. He asked the same question, like, how? But apparently his question was really one of doubt because in, in verse 20, the angel Gabriel says, well, because you did not believe my words. So that's a different question than Mary's question. Okay, does that make sense? His, his was like, Psh, how? Hers was like, wow, how? See the difference there? So her question is not one of doubt, but it's really kind of like logic and, if I can say this, science and biology. She, she asks, uh, how, how will this be since I am a virgin? Uh, that, that word, the, that phrase could literally be translated, how will this be since I do not know a man? How's this going to work without a man in the picture? I mean, that's like a pretty sweet promise that God has just made to her, that you get to be the one to carry the Messiah. That's awesome. And yet, like, God's plan doesn't really make sense. You ever felt that? And sometimes God's doing something in our lives. Some, some, sometimes he's working and, 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 and he's letting circumstances come in. And we know that, that in his sovereignty, he is orchestrating, he is in control, he's allowing these things to happen. And yet sometimes we just feel a little bit like, what are you doing? Like, I don't get it. If you've ever felt confused by God's plan and just kind of wondered, like, how are you going to work this out? Then you know a little bit of what Mary is feeling. I mean, God's given us promises, Right? God has, God has given us promises that we can rely on, but sometimes it's kind of unclear for us how he's going to carry those things out. When God has told us that he's going to do something, oftentimes we want to know the, like, when? Like, how are you going to do that? And, and, and sometimes we don't know. Sometimes that's really unclear. But I think any time that we're relying on a promise, it's good for us to do that. It's good for us to be asking. But at the same time, we need to be careful that whenever, before we start asking the how God's going to do something, that we first know with confidence that the promise that we're looking to is actually a, a biblical promise. 
You see, there's, there's kind of a danger in claiming a promise that you've heard somebody say once or, or, or you saw it in a meme and you kind of liked it and, and you thought like, man, that, that, that means something to me. That's, that's kind of moving. I, I like that, but it's not, sounds right, but it's not actually something the Bible says. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes there are promises that, that we're holding on to that God hasn't said. And maybe you've heard somebody say, um, well, God will never let you Never let stuff happen to you that you're not able to handle. He's never gonna give you more than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that before? Like, we, we hear that all the time. I feel like uh, that's, that's a, it sounds right, but it's not actually in the Bible. It's kind of a problem, right? Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 does say that he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with it will also provide the way of escape so that you can stand up under it. If I could say it this way, like, I think honestly, God gives us stuff we can't handle all the time. But what he does promise us is that you will not be tempted. That, that temptation to sin is not gonna be so overwhelming that you just can't help it. You have to sin. What he's saying is God is faithful. He's gonna give you a way so that even in the midst of that, when you're feeling that temptation, you don't have to give in. To that sin. Or, or maybe you've heard the promise, like somebody comes alongside of you, something crazy happens in your life, and, and it's really difficult, it's really hard, and, and, and inevitably somebody's going to come up, and, and, and they mean well, and, and they want to encourage you, they're trying to be supportive, and they're going to tell you, at some point they're going to say something like, okay, I know that this is bad, I know that God, that, like, that God will let this, but he's going to bring something good out of it. Like, he promises that there's going to be a good that comes out of this. You probably heard this before. And then inevitably, we start looking for, like, okay, why, why, why did this, like, something bad happened, and so something must, like, I don't know, like, I'm going to get a double blessing somehow, or somebody's going to get saved. That's the reason. We start looking for the good that would justify the bad that God allowed into our lives. But what he actually says, Romans 8, 28, he does say that, we know that for those who love God, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. But you can't forget verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, listen, listen, to be conformed to the image of his son. So sometimes God is, he doesn't say that all things are good, but he is working all of those things together for the good of those who love him. And the good is that I would be Conformed to the image of his son. That's a really good way of saying you're going to be more like Jesus. Sometimes that's what he's going to do. And it doesn't, he's not promising that just because you had something bad happen in your life that somehow all of your circumstances are going to improve somehow or it's going to be really obvious why he let this happen. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we are looking at these promises and he doesn't say that he's going to provide all of your wants, that he's going to pay all of your bills, that he's never going to let you suffer. He doesn't promise those things, but he does give us some incredible promises that we can stand on. He tells us that he is going to be with us. He tells us that he is going to hear us. He tells us that he loves us. He tells us that he will give us peace to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. He tells us that he will, he, he will carry out the work that he started in us. Those are promises that God has said in his word that we can stand on. We can hold on to those. But even sometimes we get those promises, we know them, and yet we still feel a little bit like, okay, God, 
how are you going to do this? Mary, Mary was just promised that, that she was going to be the one that gets to carry God's son, this king that's going to reign for all of eternity, but she's still kind of wondering, like, get that, it's awesome, I think it's cool, I just don't understand how you're going to do this. What I think is fascinating is that God's answer to her, he gives her both the science, biology, if you will, but he also gives her the theology. And Mary's obviously just kind of looking at this and trying to figure out how she could physically have a baby, but he's going to show her that there's an even more complex conundrum that he has an answer for. So here's his answer, verse 35. You ready? Here it is. Like, how, how, how is this even possible? Verse 35 tells us, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's how. Like, the best answer that we could give to how is God. It's, it's a work of God. And, 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 like, we don't even, maybe this still isn't the answer you're looking for, but the way that God does this is still kind of mysterious. He says the, uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will, will overshadow you. That, that, that's kind of this metaphorical imagery, almost like a hovering cloud. And it's not something that's, like, dark and spooky or creepy. Or like, it's the glory of God. What he's saying is you're going to experience the presence of God. God is going to do a work here. Now, that's not something that science can really explain, or I think we'd have a little bit more details. I mean, Luke is a doctor, after all. He would, he's intensely interested in how did that work. And, and quite honestly, the biology doesn't make sense, but we know Mary had nothing to do with this. It was completely an act of God, the Holy Spirit. God's doing it. And so if I could say it this way, the virgin birth, when we come to celebrate this, or more accurately, the virgin conception, not the immaculate conception. That's a false doctrine about Mary. What we're talking about is the virgin conception where God comes down and overshadows Mary and she conceives. That's a miracle. That's what it is. And as one of my favorite authors said, G.K. Chesterton, said the, the most incredible thing about miracles is that they happen. God does what he says, even when it's not scientifically or naturally possible. And so I think it's important for us as we kind of like remember the Christmas story, like this, this is a miracle and it's still mysterious and yet it's, and it's wonderful, but God's gonna go even further. He tells her some more information that she didn't even ask for. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, the child to be born will be called holy the son of God. So what he's saying is, what's happening here, this miracle, there's some massive theological and gospel implications for this miraculous work of God. You, this little baby that you're carrying, is the son of God. Now, we have to be careful not to get off a little bit into heresy ourselves on this one. You have to understand that, that we worship one God, right? Only one God. Three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, but how many gods? One God. God the Son did not come into existence at the virgin conception. You know that? Like, like my son, 
like Judah, there was a time when he didn't exist and now he does. It's not like that with God's son. God the Son has always existed from eternity past. That's why in John chapter one he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we come to know that Jesus was the Word. Which is why later in chapter 17 when Jesus is praying, he he says, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you, listen, before the world existed. Meaning, God the Son existed with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in this infinite, eternal, loving relationship before he created anything, God the Son existed. Which makes a whole lot more sense of verses that are pretty familiar to us, like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Not made a son. He gave his son. And so so with this Holy Spirit's powerful work at this miraculous conception, here's what's happening. God the Son, who is fully God in his divine nature, in that moment, he added to his nature a a human nature. He didn't lose that. He didn't become like half and half. He is fully God and yet fully man. Now, Now, why is that significant? Why is that important? Well, it really helps us understand and clarifies the gospel for us. Because when we, when we start to think about why we're here and what we desperately need, we have to first get the bad news. The bad news, Romans chapter 3, is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Like I've, I've sinned, you've sinned. Like we have a problem, and it goes even deeper than that. Because we're sinners, there's consequences. Romans chapter 6 tells us that the wages, if if you're you're like a worker, then you get paid wages, right? So if you are a sinner, the wages of sin is death. You got to die. Someone has to die. Here's the problem, though. God doesn't die. Only a man could die. So that's why he came. That's why he took on that human flesh. So that Philippians tells us, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We needed a human savior. But it couldn't just be any human savior. Like if, if, if Jesus was just kind of a normal man born like, like you and me, then, then he, he couldn't have been the perfect sacrifice. And he would have died to basically pay for his own sins, not, not yours, not mine, because we're all sinners. We're all born in sin. You know that? Psalm 51 actually tells us that, that, that behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. I'm not a sinner just because I've done some bad things. I do those bad things in sin because that's who I am. I was born into it. In fact, this is like the easiest doctrine to demonstrate. We've said this before. If you want to like prove the original sin, that this is like you just inherited this, go sign up and work in Harvest Kids. Go back and like hang out in the nursery a little while. You'll see their little sin nature comes out pretty easily. I don't have to teach my kids to sin. That's just what they do. We are born into sin, but not Jesus. That's not how he is born. Because of the Holy Spirit's work here and because of the virgin conception, he says Jesus is holy, that he is the sinless son of God. He doesn't inherit our sinful nature. 
so that he could be this perfect, fully God and fully man, the only one that could pay for our sins. And the virgin birth is the means by which Jesus came to be that perfect sacrifice for sin. So, so, so if he didn't sin, then he didn't deserve it, right? Like he doesn't deserve death. He didn't earn that. But he stepped in and he took our place so that we are ransomed, First Peter says, with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So can we just acknowledge that when we look at this, like we, we, we look at the manger scene, we think about Jesus right there in the nativity, like that virgin birth. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy and it's mysterious and you may not understand it. It may not make sense to you. Maybe it's surprising, but it is a powerful assurance that God does what he says. And he's trying to prove that to Mary. In fact, he throws in another proof of his power. Verse 36, he tells her, oh, by the way, uh, Elizabeth, uh, you know, like your, your, your relative, like I know she's old, she can't have baby. She's about to have a baby. Like just another miracle because here's what you need to know, Mary, and here's what you need to know. Verse 37, for nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. That word nothing or no thing in the Greek could also be translated no word. So the American Standard Version has said it this way, no word from God shall be void of power. What he says, he does. And he has definitively answered Mary's how. Like he's just proven to her, God can do what he says he will do, even when it seems impossible to us. And so maybe, maybe you're struggling with assurance. Maybe you're wrestling with not feeling confident of God's promises. Is he going to be able to do this? Is he going to be able to handle this? You don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're struggling with whether he's really going to be with you, whether he's listening, whether he hears you, whether he cares for you, whether he can really give you peace that, that, that you wouldn't even be able to understand, whether you could really have joy even in the midst of the despair and the destruction and the pain that you are feeling. Maybe you want to know that you are forgiven, that, that you're not held guilty anymore, that, that you are saved, that you can stand right before God, that you would have hope that you are going to live with him for all of eternity, that he loves you, and that he is these light and momentary afflictions that we he's just preparing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. And if you need reassurance, then you might just need to readjust your view of God. He is not a God who can't. He is a God who has. And he's a God who will be faithful to his promises to do what he says he would do. I mean, just look at the manger. Here's this little baby who's fully God, fully man, son of God, son of Mary, no earthly dad. How is that even possible? It's a powerful reassurance, the proof for us that nothing will be impossible with God, which means that you can trust his word. Do you know that? You can trust his word. Whatever he says, he does. But there's also a second assurance that we get here from the story of Mary and the virgin birth. Note this. God blesses our believing So I know we're, like, we're, we're talking about Mary, and, and we don't venerate Mary. We don't hold her up like she's some like sinless saint that like none of us could ever a, a, attain to that. She's just a sinner like us. 
She received grace that she didn't deserve, which is pretty awesome. But I would say this. Mary is a powerful example for us as disciples. This is a moment we, we want to respond the way she does. So just like put yourself in her shoes, okay? How, how, how do you think you would have responded? Anybody else think that, that you might have had a few more questions to ask? Like, is this going to hurt? Is my insurance going to cover this? Like, what, 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 I, what do I say to Joseph, and how do I explain this to my parents, and, 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 and how do I handle uh, the gossip news in Nazareth? Like, in the, in the history of the world, God has not given this specific assignment to anybody else. Nobody has ever written what to expect when you're expecting the Son of God. And this is a really big risk for a girl who's found pregnant, and she's not married. Like, is she going to be ostracized? Is she going to be killed? There's, there's a lot of risk there. But look at what she says, verse 38. You see it? Behold, I am the what? I'm the servant of the Lord. See, disciples put themselves under the authority of God. He calls the shots, not me. I think it's fascinating that, that Mary doesn't like, ask, like, oh, give me some time. I need to pray about this. This doesn't really line up with my dreams, my passions, my, my goals in life. I'll, I'll have to get back to you. No, like five minutes ago, she's just thinking about her wedding, and now this like, could completely derail that plan. But Mary has found her purpose in who she is in the Lord. And so her number one concern is not herself, but to be the servant of God. Can I ask you, like, do you serve the Lord? Does he have the right to change your plans? Or, or do you look at him kind of more like a, a consultant for your career and ambitions rather than your king who calls the shots? Would you have responded the way she did? Like immediately, like, like of course I'll submit. That's, that's why I'm here. I, I'm, I, my goal is to serve God. Whatever you want to do, that's what I want to do. See, the gospel has changed my, my standing before the Lord. I am made right with him. And now because of what he's done, I, I don't have to earn his favor. I have his favor. I have grace. I have mercy. I don't deserve it. And yet because of that, I have a relationship with them. I love him and I want to serve him. And so she says, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's like super vulnerable, isn't it? She's kind of opening herself up. It's like submitting and surrendering. Let it happen as you say. Do you, do you submit to the word of God like that? Is there a, a willingness like God... If you say it, that settles it. I want, I want to be obedient to you. I believe this. If you want to be a disciple and you want to believe these promises and submit to them, then you need to know. Don't, don't, don't go out looking for his plans and promises outside of the written word of God. You need to know this. And you can't say that you're submitting to it if you're not in it. But there's blessing in our humble submission to God's word. So, 
Mary is going to go visit Elizabeth. And uh, she shows up here, verse 40. When, verse 41, when Elizabeth hears the greeting, so she's at the door. And I love this. The baby just leaps in her womb. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, so she starts to pronounce this, this blessing. It's actually kind of like a song. And she declares, verse 42, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Really, the reason that Mary is blessed is because of who she has inside of her. She's blessed because of Jesus. I love Elizabeth's reaction here. Why, why, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is like humility there and grace. Like, I get it. I don't deserve this. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Don't know what that felt like. I think it's pretty awesome that there's joy in the presence of Jesus. But look at verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken. That word blessed there, you could also translate that happy. Anybody want to be happy? Why is she happy? Why, why, why is she blessed? What does the text say? Because she did what? She believed. God, God blesses our belief. And what is it she believed? Well, it says she believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken. She believed that God does what he says. Faith leads to happiness. So if you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, believe his word. Believe that he does what he says. I know that maybe, maybe you're tempted to look at Mary and you're like, well, she's like, there's something special about Mary. Like, she's going to receive a blessing that I could never have. Again, last week we saw that she had received favor with God, but that word favor meant grace. It's something she didn't deserve. She didn't earn it, but she had received that. And there's another woman that makes this same mistake thinking that there, was some, there must be something really, really special about Mary in Luke chapter 11, I've got it for you on the screen here. Uh, Luke chapter 11, Jesus is teaching. It says, he said these things, and a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. Basically, what she's saying is like, man, your mom must have been something really special. I mean, she must be really happy. And look, look what Jesus says. He's like, I'll tell you who's happy. Blessed, happy, there's the same word. Rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So Mary's blessing is the same that you and I get to enjoy. And it comes when we believe his word and we submit to it. Don't we have all sorts of examples of the opposite? People that didn't believe God's word and over and over, all of these stories who decided, people like, I'm not gonna believe it, I'm gonna do my own thing. Guess what? They're miserable. I mean, I think about all the way back in the Garden of Eden, it starts there. Here you've got one woman, Eve, and she's in a, in a perfect world. God's given this rule, don't eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she's like, well, she sees that it's good and pleasing to the eye because she was deceived, right? The serpent came and he said to her, did God really say? And then he said, did he not tell you that if you ate of it, your eyes would be opened and you would be like him, knowing good and evil? It's almost like he was saying, wait, 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 wait. God didn't tell you that? Like he withheld that information from you? Does he really want what's best for you? 
is he really good? And so in that moment, Eve and her husband, Adam, decided maybe God doesn't want what's best for us. Maybe his way isn't best. We can decide what's best for us, for ourselves. And they plunged the world into sin and the curse. Thanks a lot, guys. And, and like, you just get so many stories like that in the Old Testament, right? We, we, we get a guy like Abraham. And Abraham believed God. God said he was going uh, to give him a son, even though he was really old. But Abraham thought it was taking too long, so he took matters into his own hands. He ends up sleeping with his wife's servant, Hagar. And guess what? He's miserable. And, and there's, like, all sorts of family crisis. King Saul, he's going to, like, choose to do it my way. I'm going to disobey God. I got a better idea. Guess what? The kingdom's torn from him. King David, he, he runs after his lust. He tries to hide it. Guess what? The baby dies, and he's got this, like, horrible family dysfunction. I mean, like, story after story of people that didn't believe God's word, didn't think that he knew best, were going to do it on their own. And, and unfortunately, I think that probably all of us in here, uh, you and I know someone in our lives that we would say, man, they just, their life is not blessed. They're not happy. I mean, even if they, on the outside, may they, they look like they got it all together, but they are miserable and their lives are falling apart and it's because they don't believe that God's ways are best and that he can do what he says he can do. And too many of us have had to learn, as Pastor James McDonald said, that if you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. It's like the Christmas story, when we take a look at what God did in this miraculous virgin conception, there really is no reason for us to be skeptical about God's word and his promises. When he tells us that he can do what he says and that his ways are best, why would you doubt that? And I know that many of you are holding on to, to promises that God has made and you want answers to your prayers and you want to know how this is all going to work out, but you don't need to know the specifics of the future. You don't need to know the details. What you need to know is that nothing will be impossible with God, that he does what he says. And no, he may not answer your prayers according to your plan. Your circumstances may not improve next week or even in this life, but you can have confidence in his promises that he will be with you, that he will sustain you, that he will strengthen you, that he does care about what is going on in your life, that he will give you peace that, that, that doesn't even make sense, that he will give you joy even in the midst of your circumstances, that there really is hope. And even if you don't know how he is gonna work, you can't really see him away. There, nothing will be impossible. God does what he says. And the question for us is, are we gonna believe? Am I gonna believe what God says in his word, and submit to that so that we, because of what the gospel has done in changing our desires now, we could submit like Mary and we could pray what Jesus told us to pray. Your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. You know that his ways are best? Maybe, maybe someone in here needs to know that there's no reason for you to doubt what God has said, what he's pressing in on you to believe. And you may not have all the answers you want, but maybe this Christmas it'll remind you of the power of God 
and his faithfulness to do what he says he can do. Father, I pray that you would impress these truths on us. God, we, we love you. We love this Christmas season. We love what you have accomplished for us. And I know that somebody might need that this morning. Somebody might just need to know that you really are good, that you really do care, that you are going to be faithful to do what you said you will do. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we struggle sometimes to remember that. Lord, there are times that we struggle with doubt. I pray that you would help us I love the prayer in Mark 9. I believe, help my unbelief. Would you give us the confidence to not doubt that you are who you say you are, that you can do what you said you will do. We worship you because you do. We adore you. We give you the praise and glory you deserve in Jesus' name.